0: Hello, and welcome to the How Fitting Podcast, where you get to hear from independent fashion designers and entrepreneurs about how they grow their business, making clothes that fit their customer and values. I'm your host, Allison Hainis. Today, I'm joined by Crystal Marks of Love Apparel. So welcome to the show, Crystal. Oh,
1: thank you for having me.
0: Yeah. For those listening who are just meeting you for the first time, could you share a little bit about who you are and what you do?
1: Absolutely. So um, again, my name is Crystal Marks. I am the founder and designer for Love Apparel. We are a female empowerment clothing brand. And what that means is we, we go about celebrating and empowering women in two ways one is through our design process, which is meant to make women feel loved and celebrated in their own skin. And we do that by making sure that our designs are catering to all shapes, not just a narrow focus. There are five beautiful shapes that women come in and we, we focus on those. So from the design aspect, we just really want women to feel like they their clothes are really meant for them, made for them, with them in mind. And mm-hmm. the the heart of our brand, and really what we love, is we like to create this cycle of women empowering women. And we do that through our manufacturing. So we don't manufacture traditionally. Uh, we do slow fashion, ethical fashion, and we partner with artisan groups that are paying a fair living wage and focusing on uh, employing women specifically out of situations that are hard. We, we focus on partnering with, uh, in areas that tend to have higher poverty levels and our clothing is all ethically produced. So when you purchase a love item, you're literally, um, helping a woman across the world.
0: Wonderful. I love that. Let's kind of start at the beginning. How did love begin? Yes.
1: Wow. Love began, um, there's a, there's a, oh, that's a lot to this story. So I'll try to make <laughs> it as concise as I can. So really
0: the backstories are always so interesting. So it's
1: so important. And I think we all, you know, have our own journeys, right? So mm-hmm. it really love came out of my own journey. So I wasn't looking to start a clothing brand. Honestly, if you look at my qualifications, I'm not qualified. Um, but really, I think anytime that you're kind of, uh, becoming aware of the social thing, the injustices that are happening towards women, my heart just got really turned um, personally. So I'll tell you a little bit more about that. I started to do um, advocacy for anti-human trafficking efforts through a wonderful organization called Dressember, and Mm -hmm. I don't know if you've ever heard of that, but it- yeah, so they partner. Uh, they help raise funds and awareness about anti-human trafficking, basically efforts. And they partner with IJM, the International Justice Mission, and A21, and a lot of other wonderful organizations to really help the frontline workers. And in that advocacy, I I, I believe my first year was about six years ago, and done it every year since you learn so much about human trafficking uh, and who it affects and how it affects people. And uh, what really struck me was how women were predominantly affected. Uh, Mm -hmm. If you look at all of the statistics, 71% are women and girls that are trapped in in trafficking today. And I started to examine that and my heart just broke. I have a daughter and I just think about the fact that I could live in a different location in the world and be more susceptible, um, you know, to... To trafficking, even though it is definitely present in in our areas as well,
0: mm-hmm. but just
1: really looking at why is that? Why why is it that women are disproportionately, you know, you know, more vulnerable? And so I started to learn more about that. And I was previously, to starting lab, I was a personal stylist, which I did. Oh, work yeah, I don't know if you knew that, but I did wardrobe consultations and helped women shop. Basically, I I shopped for a living. <laughs> and in the midst of that, kind of learning more about um, trafficking, I really started, my heart just started to break. And I was like, okay, so what is going on here? And I learned that poverty was the main driver for human trafficking. And mm. specifically for women, it just puts you in a very vulnerable position vulnerable position to not have funds uh, to not have your basic needs met and for a lot of women and girls it it can make a situation that seems um you know to us we might raise an eyebrow and be like that doesn't seem safe Uh, but to them they they it might be because they're desperate they're willing to take an opportunity that ends up not being an opportunity Mm -hmm. Uh, it ends up being enslavement so really the solution to kind of fighting trafficking there's lots of different ways we can do that is providing fair wage work specifically to women. And that was how my heart just kind of got awakened to that reality. And I started changing my buying habits. I was still doing personal styling, uh, but really if I, I felt like if I was celebrating women who are right in front of me in the Western world, am I celebrating the women who are making our clothing as well?
0: Mm, that's a great point, yeah.
1: I, yeah, and I wasn't contributing. Um, you know, I was contributing to a problem is what I felt like. I was the queen of fast fashion. I, I loved being on trend um, mm-hmm. and I just couldn't do it anymore. You know, over time, when you know that truth, it just kind of settles in your heart and your heart gets changed. And yeah. so I never judge anybody for the choices that they make. And I would never judge any of my clients for, you know, how they chose to shop, but I couldn't do it anymore. And so what ended up happening was I, I literally woke up one morning and I felt an invisible wall in front of me. And I'm like, things are going well, the, the business was growing. I finally had hired an assistant, so I had some help, but I knew change was coming because my heart had changed. And so once I got quiet and was able to listen, this love was really dropped in my heart. Um, I wasn't looking for it. It's very scary to, to, I felt like I was really just told to, hey, create a, a uh, clothing brand that empowers women out of poverty. Uh, create jobs. And that seems very large. And it was very large. And I I think if I actually knew how large it was, probably wouldn't have even started. (laughs) But I'm so grateful uh, that I just, you know, took some time and made sure that that that's what I heard and closed the styling business eventually. And that's where love began without knowing anything. (laughs) Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, I yeah that's so cool. And that kind of like the mission came first before, like you, you didn't, I think a lot of, uh, you know, if a lot of people who are coming at, a fashion brand from a designer's perspective is like I want to design and make clothes but yes. for you like you kind of came at it from a dis- different perspective of like I want to accomplish this big mission and make an impact on people and fashion <laughs> just happens to be the way to do that um, be, yeah. <laughs> yeah so that's that's a unique I think that's a unique perspective on fashion and and even I mean as a stylist, I'm sure you were around fashion and and know a lot about, like you said, dressing different women's bodies. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm curious, like once you kind of had the first kind of like inkling of love, what did you Mm -hmm. do both kind of in your own mindset to kind of push past the The fear, uh, fear, (laughs) like you said, and then also like practically like what first steps did you take to actually start lev and especially since you said i you know you said you're not qualified which i i mean you're doing it so you are but you know what what did you do initially to to take those first steps
1: yeah that's such a great question and i love how you summed up it really is mission focused and driven and honestly i wouldn't be here doing it if it wasn't I would have caved in a long time ago, <laughs> mm-hmm. but um, really, what the first step was, and you know, my my faith is really important to me, um, and that is really the driving force behind love. So I really took some time to listen and pray uh, about next steps because I knew what I heard was important, and I had no idea. Um, it just, yeah, the fear was definitely there, but I knew what I heard, and so okay, what is the next? That was a question. I think it's a great question that we can all ask ourselves. What is the first next step that I can take?
0: Mm-hmm. And so
1: I started to ask that question. What is the next little step? Because it's got to be one foot in front of the other.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because like with a huge mission, you can't just like
1: dive in. in into, you'll get
0: like, s- yeah, it's too overwhelming. And it's like, absolutely. you need to break it down. Yeah.
1: Absolutely. And it's so funny because Literally, the day that I decided, or I knew that I would be closing the business, I um, I met with a friend and we went for a walk, and I I just told her everything, and she's like, "So, how does one start a clothing brand?" And I just looked at her and I said, "I have no idea. <laughs> I have no idea, but I guess I'm going to find out." Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, so, really, what started from there was uh, looking for partnerships. I mean, that was number one because we needed to make sure that we I had those, you know, female. Male artists and groups that we knew we could help collab- and collaborate with,
0: mm-hmm. I guess is
1: more the point. And honestly, that was really hard. I, I felt like I um, scoured the internet for like three weeks straight <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. trying
1: to find that because what I what I came to discover was that, you know, it's, it's a little bit easier to find an artisan group that does jewelry or does home goods. But clothing, yeah, and I didn't know that either. And the reason is because clothing is such a I mean to even say that it's an art is like, I think minimizing it. Like it is, it is very intricate. Uh, you need a lot of expensive equipment. You need to have the skill set. You need to have access to sourcing. Uh, there's mm-hmm. a lot that goes into it that I had no idea. And really, if you think about starting an artisan part, or an artisan group with something that you can, here's the beads. Here's the you know the attachment pieces and make something even in your own home is quite different than you need to have a massive printer to be able to print patterns and you need to be able to have interlock machines and all these things that Mm -hmm. and to be able to have somebody who has experience and can teach I mean those so I think it made sense once I realized what goes into that how much you need to even start and and you know if we're talking about like pie in the sky at some point I'm sure we will but I would love to be able to create more because there really wasn't, there's not much out there right now. Mm-hmm. So what ended up happening was that first step was trying to find that artisan partnership. And we got, I eventually uh, found a woman. It was, it was, her name was Annie. She runs a, uh, a better company basically that takes brands and connects them with fair trade um, industries and, and manufacturing companies, depending on what you're looking for. And her, her company is called AOW Handmade. And nice. because we couldn't hop on a plane and go to New Delhi or go to you know, um, Vietnam and try to find someone, it just wasn't going to work that way. Um, and so she was the one who connected with our first artisan partnership, which was Sana Kasarna Design in New Delhi, who focused on uh, working with women and empowering them out of poverty.
0: Nice. And, and even that, though, like I feel like your your first step was still such a big one because, you know, whether or not um, brands are looking specifically for kind of like a mission based um, factory partner. Like that, finding those partnerships to produce the clothing, I feel like is one of the biggest hurdles for like brands just starting out. And so like (laughs) even that small step is, it's not that small. Like that's still a huge um, undertaking, like you said, finding the right fit. Um, Mm -hmm. So how did you know, like, as you were kind of talking to these different partners, how did you know, like, what was the right fit? Like, um, I know you mentioned, you know, you're looking for a place that really empowered women and, and gave jobs to, um, Mm -hmm. women. But when, when you found the factory or the partnership, like, how did you know they were the right one for that?
1: Yeah. And it was still even beyond that point, trial and error, to be honest. Um, but I I think we, here's what ended up happening. Uh, Annie, she was, she kind of takes in your information and we told her what we wanted and she normally likes to put together a portfolio of like three to four you know manufacturing companies or Mm -hmm. brand or um yeah to work with and for us she could only come up with one because that's how rare that's how rare it is to find a female focused uh ethical clothing manufacturer Mm -hmm. um so we took the leap and, and Sonica Sarnia, word of with her was amazing and wonderful. Plus, I guess the other challenge for, for Lev was we needed to start with really low, what they call MOQs, which is minimum order quantities, mm-hmm. right? I'm sure you're familiar with that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but we, I mean, and we that's not easy
0: to find either.
1: It's not. So on top of that, right. Cause you need to start at usually a thousand or 500 pieces. Mm-hmm. Um, and, so Sonika gave us a whirl, which was great. We were—it was almost like we just had to, but but I—I I, her values were completely aligned, thankfully, um, mm-hmm. with what we were trying to do. She was she actually she's from New Delhi. She knows the challenges that women face there, um, in in many different aspects. So that was a sweet partnership. But that's we just knew because our options weren't there weren't very many options. But we knew that she was working towards the same goal.
0: Nice. Yeah. yeah, and I think that's really powerful to like find, find a whole supply chain that um, aligns with the values of your brand. It just makes makes everything easier if you're all working in the same sure direction.
1: Yes, I could not imagine not. Yeah, exactly.
0: So I want to turn to um, talking a little bit about like the products of love, like we've been talking about kind of the <laughs> mission how you got started. But you mentioned designing clothes to for the five body types, five common body types of women. So are you designing like all of your pieces to fit all these five body types? Or are you do you have kind of like a specific body type in mind for each piece?
1: That is a great that is a great question. And, you know, once in a while we do come across that one unicorn piece that works for all body shapes, <laughs> but typically that isn't how it works. So this was really drawing on my experience from being a stylist. Um, I would go shopping with clients and I would be like, wait, who are they designing for? Cause I don't really understand. And then I, I learned to understand shapes and understand, okay, so my client is this beautiful pear shape. Let's make sure we find, you know, certain cuts and shapes that will work for that. And I uh, would teach my clients how to do that. So to answer your question about our pieces, they are actually, I would call them semi-custom. So before I start working on a design, it, is, it always starts back with thinking about who, like which shapes is this going to work for. Mm. So an example, I think one example, I can give a couple, but I think our t-shirts are one of the easiest examples to give because we have two basic t-shirt design, two basic basic t-shirts, and they're both designed for three different body shapes. Okay. So yeah, so like our Emelina is a V-neck and it is a little bit more, um, it's a little bit longer. It's got little side slits like vents on it. And that one works really well for women who have more of an ample bust line. Uh, Mm. So that's really good for hourglasses and apple shapes and some inverted triangles or strawberry shapes because the V-neck is really nice for broader shoulder line or or larger busts, what we call blessed in the bust. (laughs) (laughs) I like that. Yeah. And then our Baldwin tee is a crew neck. It's a little, it hits a little bit more uh, to the hip. So it's a little bit shorter in length, and that one is designed more for uh, pear shapes, so smaller bust line typically, uh, for some strawberry shapes, depending on how broad their shoulder line is, and for rectangle shapes. So that kind of gives you an idea of like, even though they're two basic t-shirts, they're meant for your specific shape.
0: And I, yeah, I think that's really interesting because I think a lot of well, like kind of the typical like when you're starting when you're when you're working on a brand from a fit perspective um, and I'm kind of in that I'm in that world kind of the technical and fit side of things. Um, yeah, the more common thing is to if you have a v- v-neck and a crew neck, all you're changing is the neckline. Right. Um, and keeping the same fit so that it's consistent across all your styles. Mm-hmm. But for you guys, like I think that's really cool how you've thought about, okay, the customer, like it may, it's still the same target customer in terms of maybe, you know, how it fits in your size chart, but, um, and who the demographics of who's buying it, but you've recognized that like the customer who buys a V-neck more often may also prefer a longer hemline or, these other adjustments that it, it's not just a one-to-one comparison of half the people want a crew neck and half the people want a v-neck so Yeah, that's really interesting how like you've noticed and incorporated that
1: oh that's that's fun feedback i really like hearing that from your perspective too and that makes total sense because also our baldwin is like a box shape and if you have a, a more ample bust you probably don't want a box shaped shirt mm-hmm. right because it's not going to hug in the right places so yeah It really was designing two different pieces for sure, even though they're both tees.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Really paying attention to the body types who are going to wear those specific necklines. Yeah. Um, So are are there other things like from your styling background that you kind of took into Mm -hmm. Lev that has really helped you in in designing your pieces?
1: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I, I think I noticed what to look for um, for my clients, which really helped. A lot of things that I look for are like simple things like I like shoulder seams on the shoulder line uh, for, for most bodies, cause I feel like it's a really nice silhouette. Um, it doesn't like the, the drop shoulder sleeve or the dolman sleeve was really popular when I was doing styling. And um, I don't mm-hmm. think it's bad. I think it works for a few different bodies but I noticed that uh, for some bodies it's, it really can accentuate the shoulder line um, in, in a way mm-hmm. that maybe isn't, doesn't make you feel good. And then I always, I think for styling, I really just, I, I learned that focusing on accentuating the female form was super important. So every, every woman's core, obviously our shapes are all different, but the smallest part or the more, most narrow point on the female form is, is right underneath the ribcage.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: if we can accentuate that, it really creates a lot of balance within the body. And so just thinking about it in terms of, of balance was really important, but then also uh, understanding, I mean, I, have, I had so much to learn and still have so much to learn about fabrics, but how mm-hmm. some fabrics, you know, especially cheaply made fabrics will cling to all the wrong places. And by just making a switch in fabric, it can, make, uh, it can actually float and graze the body in a way that is extremely um, more flattering you know, and make you feel good. Yeah. So those are some things that I just noticed at from doing styling. Um, But I definitely take those into consideration when selecting fabrics and um, shapes for our designs.
0: Yeah. Fabric has such a huge influence on like the the quality of the garment and and both in like how it holds up and washes and wears over time, but also how expensive it looks, whether or not it is or not. Um, And, yeah, how the, like, one design in two different fabrics can look completely different. So, I totally agree. Fabric has a huge it's impact. Huge. Yeah.
1: And we're, you know, my generation had no idea <laughs> what good fabric was. I mean, just to be honest, like, we just didn't know. I think, you know, because even, you know, what I would call, like, the quote-unquote higher-end brands that I was experiencing even were still pretty cheaply made in, in, mm-hmm in fabric selection and construction. Um, And actually, until we started receiving our pieces back, did I realize, wow, there's quite a difference. Um, Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I I do want to bring up uh, one thing you said earlier um, when you're talking about how there's a lot more artisan partnerships available for like jewelry and home goods. Mm -hmm. And so I was thinking about that and um, it's funny that jewelry even though it's much smaller and takes way less components um we like consumers are generally willing to spend a lot more money on jewelry pieces than they uh, would on clothing and so I've, i like as you that said that i was like that's fascinating to me <laughs> that like jewelry jewelry in general is still kind of like highly valued Whereas clothing has become so devalued in our society.
1: You're so right. Yeah, you're so right. And I think it has to do with, um, we do not know the true cost and the the true physical, mental, demanding art that it is to make clothing. Mm -hmm. It it is actually a physically active job. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, And it takes a lot of understanding, you know, Strategy of how to make things so it's just we, right? We we have the five dollar t-shirts, you know, and so we think, oh well, it must not be that big of a deal, you know, to Mm -hmm. actually put something like this together. Well, unfortunately, that five dollar t-shirt is is not somebody's paying for
0: it. It's just not the consumer.
1: Exactly, and uh, yeah, it's kind of a sad. Yet when you realize, and you know, we've. try to partner with we've got other partnerships coming up as well and you realize we want we want our artisans paid fairly and it does cost a lot in their their time in their efforts Mm -hmm. Uh, we just been you know I feel like a few years ago you know maybe 10 15 years ago we peeled back the veil to like food our food industry
0: yep yeah, and we right.
1: we right. We started to go, oh, that's how animals are being treated, and oh, that's how farming is happening. And and it was kind of like this awakening of wow. And then the movement came of organic, you know, the movement came of it being more mass-produced and more common. Mm-hmm. I feel like we're on the verge of that wave right now, with kind of the veil being removed of what's really going on and how people are really being treated and how it's affecting our earth.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I love that analogy of like, I, the connection of like, we did this with our food 10 years ago. Yeah. I totally remember that too. Yeah. Um, we
1: documentaries, right? Yep.
0: Yep. So yeah, I, I really hope it does, you know, do the same thing for fashion. And I, I've seen a little bit of that even this past year of people just questioning more like, what do I value in my clothes and you know, who's making them and do I really need to buy this? You know, what, what is important for my wardrobe?
1: COVID Um, has stripped away a lot of things. I think it's gotten us down to think about those things, which is the gift in COVID, I guess.
0: mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I hope it, so I hope it lasts and continues in that Mm -hmm. that wave. Mm -hmm. Um, So I also want to talk a little bit about how, and I'm sure you've done a whole lot of, it sounds like you've done a whole lot of research on this, like how are poverty and fashion connected?
1: Oh, yeah. That's a really good, that's a really good one. Uh, This is the statistic that gets me every time. So there are 40 million garment workers in the world today, 40 million. And how many of us, I think in the Western world, know a garment worker? (laughs) that lives down the street from us, probably not very many of us. Yeah. Because most manufacturing, right, is happening overseas. And out of those 40 million, uh, 85 to 90% is the average, are women making less than $3 a day. Wow. And that is a powerful statistic, because I don't care where you live, that's poverty. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's you can't live on $3 a day, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. no matter where you are. So. Um, that was really the, the the line of connection for me in going, wow, you know, these clothes that I'm buying for clients or the clothes that I'm buying for myself is probably made by a woman. Most likely, you know, I think about, I've been standing and looking at my closet. I remember looking at it and going, wow, 90% of my closet was probably made by a woman who was making Mm -hmm. less than $3 a day. And that hurt. Um, and there's a direct connection to between that and the poverty and then that and vulnerability as
0: well. Mm -hmm. yeah yeah that's that's sad and but that you know fashion has such a big impact on the lives of so many people especially women yes and yeah we have a responsibility I think as consumers and and as you know manufacturers and designers making Mm -hmm. clothes to make sure that you know people are paid fairly all through the 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 manufacturing process yeah and
1: it's not it's not easy, right? It's not easy for us as, um, I hate the word consumers. Uh, but Mm -hmm. I guess for the sake of, uh, we all understand that word for us as being conscious consumers, it's painful to understand like, okay, that's going to dig into my wallet. Yes. Um, but I value it enough. And then, yeah, it is, it's, it's a challenge to run a a business, um, kind of creating your own course. It's a really uncharted, like Mm -hmm. nobody had a roadmap for us, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah that's okay <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah it's like it, I, but it sounds like the the mission of lev really propels you forward and m- my guess is that makes some decisions easier because you know like what the end goal is
1: yes the core values are there yeah so we have to every time it feels like we want to drift from that right and and yeah, the, the mission has really pulled me out from underneath my desk when I'm crying underneath it, you know, like, cause those <laughs> moments happen, <laughs> they don't happen often, but they happen. Mm-hmm. And it is that you have, right. I think for any of us, we have to focus on our why in anything we do. Mm-hmm. And uh, even if it's changing, you know, our artists in partnership in New Delhi um, work shelter, they, they have 40 full-time female employees. That's huge. Mm-hmm. And they're paying them fair living wages. And, and just even, if it's 40 women. Those are 40 lives that we get to support and sustain. And that's what gets me off, off the floor. And I guess mm-hmm. out of bed every day, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Awesome. So kind of the big picture, what impact do you want to make through LEV on the women who wear LEV, as well as, mm-hmm. you know, talked a little bit about, you know, the people who manufacture apparel
1: yeah Yeah. oh this is a um this is a topic that i i think i'm very passionate about um because i believe that women in the western world have been told a lot of lies um Mm. and i got to you know personally we had to work through those and in doing styling had to confront a lot of those because it wasn't as much about the clothes as it was how we see ourselves Mm-hmm. And, and taking in, you know, maybe what somebody else has said or commented or what uh, the, the magazines or now Instagram or whatever is telling us who we should be and should look like. And, you know, for years, I mean, marketing is, is based on basically exploiting those areas of insecurity. Mm-hmm. And so women have, you know, been, you know, put under pressure and, and been sold the shame based idea Um, into buying products to make them feel better about themselves because that core lie is there's something wrong with me. And really the whole heart and what I like to say, the spirit around the celebration piece of what we do is there's, there's, let's celebrate who you are, who you were created to be. We all were born with a structural shape and not one is better than another. And we've been told the opposite. Mm -hmm to fit into this certain box. And so the celebratory piece is love yourself now where you're at. And from there, enjoy dressing your body. (laughs) Enjoy the art of styling yourself and feeling good in your own skin. Um, We have to start
0: there. Mm -hmm. That's so true of uh, how our culture and marketing Mm has taught us to buy more, buy more, buy more in order to fix what we feel like is wrong with us. Um, And then yeah, it's kind of a vicious cycle of the new things, you know, maybe don't fit us well or don't flatter or don't last. Mm-hmm. And then we're like, mm-hmm. you know, that didn't work. <laughs> there still must be something wrong with me. Right. Um, yeah. Right. I love seeing like when I'm doing fittings um, with people, it, it's just amazing to see someone's face light up when <sighs> they the garment fits them and they just feel amazing you know (laughs) they're like oh my gosh like I I never knew I never realized like how beautiful I look or whatever and it's like no it's like it's it's not that um the garment is is uh what's beautiful. It's, you've always been beautiful. This garment just happens to show that. Exactly. Whereas maybe a lot of the things you haven't, you know, they have in their closet don't. Um, right. Yeah. and just to see that kind of transformation of, you know, they, they can feel it of like, wow, I, I, I really feel confident and I feel like I look good in this yes. and when it fits them well,
1: it's There's really that, cool to see. Yeah. Oh, I love that you get to experience that Probably pretty regularly, because um, mm-hmm. that aha moment of oh, it wasn't me; it was the clothes.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, like that really is huge. I, I know I had a few clients that had many aha moments about oh, I was trying to dress like a rectangle my whole life, but I'm a pear. Mm-hmm. And and to kind of open that up and go and celebrate that and and know that just because something that doesn't fit, and you also understand that you know mass production clothing is you know more of a in the last, what, 75, 80 years, you know? So when you went to Bloomingdale's in the fifties and you picked a dress off the rack, what did they do to it before you took it home? Tailored it. Exactly. To fit you and your, uh, your leg length and your torso and your arms and all, you know, all those different things. So, right. No wonder. uh, I think tailoring is such an important an important piece, especially if we're building sustainable wardrobes or capsule wardrobes where we want these pieces to be interchangeable mm-hmm. and work for us for, mo- like, five-plus years, mm-hmm. yes, get things tailored. <laughs>
0: yeah. No, I, I do that to my cl- – I'm very short. And um, so, like, there's pretty much nothing that I'm – what? How tall are you? Me, too. I'm 5'2". Um, sure. Oh, yay.
1: I'm five foot. I I feel nice. yes. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's, like, hard to find – anything that like fits my proportions well, just off the, like even t-shirts, like I'll take in my t-shirts to make them fit, so. That's great. Mm -hmm. So I wanna go back to talking about kind of customers or consumers for lack of a better word. (laughs) and kind of the education of what goes into clothes and what the mm. impact of purchasing decisions are. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So are there things that LEV does to kind of educate your audience and the women that you, know, are, that you have influence on to um, increase their understanding of what goes into the clothes and what impact you know, buying clothes has on others?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I guess one one way we started to creep away from using the word consumer is I call our our love, um, the women who buy our clothes a part of our community because they're really a part of a movement. Mm-hmm. So they're they're part of the love community. And I think we're all a part of a community if we're moving towards that. Um, and what I would say about, yeah, the education piece, it's it's a delicate dance, too, because I never want anybody to feel overwhelmed
0: mm. or
1: put upon, you know, or. So it's been, you know, just kind of like those basics that we, you know, that I kind of learned along the way is just sharing that a lot of times it ends up on Instagram, you know, in, in the form of a quick reel or, um, you know, or on our website, just, just informing, like, I think the biggest thing that people need to know is that their choices matter. Mm mm-hmm. Like each individual choice really makes an impact because I think we can get overwhelmed and stuck in that dialogue of, well, I'm just one person, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and just to really, I I hope that our community feels and understands that uh, every time you purchase a love piece, you are choosing empowerment of somebody, the empowerment of somebody else. Mm-hmm. And so we, we, you know, I kind of have a few things that I rotate between that I make sure that we talk about on a weekly basis for, you know, just as reminders or for uh, people who are new coming into the community. So we talk about, yeah, garment workers and uh, how that affects women. Um, and then poverty's contribution to trafficking. Those are kind of the main ones that we talk about um, on a regular basis. We kind of have like we actually literally have like on our content calendar, like we want, these are things that really matter. So we focus on the mission
0: and mm-hmm. then we'll focus
1: mm-hmm. on body positivity and then we'll focus on styling. Cause that's also fun. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and,
1: and keep going through those things and hitting those different things to make sure that it's just, it's a good reminder for us too, to be honest, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I find that, you know, we, especially women want to do the right thing. Number one, number two, we want to help. And it's hard to know where to start. Mm-hmm. And so, just by encouraging our our community, like you are making a difference, you are making a change.
0: Nice. Yeah, I like that you're very intentional about sharing those those values and really involving your community in in that mission as well. Um, because, yeah, Thank I think, you. you know, increasing the awareness of mm-hmm. some of these issues and the impact that, you know, even buying a T-shirt can have on you such a that. big mission, you know, that it isn't trivial. Right. You know, each, each choice kind of snowballs into and combines with everybody else making those little choices to make yes. an impact.
1: Yes. So. That's how we've gotten here with fast fashion, too. You know, mm-hmm. there were, and unbeknownst to a lot of us, what the damage was. I mean, many of us were in the dark about that, but some people knew and mm-hmm. we all got on board with the, the less expensive stuff. And so why not? Why couldn't it be uh, we could snowball in a big force for good, you know? Like, why not?
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I like that perspective.
0: So I'm curious your thoughts on, and you may not have like the answer, but I, I'm curious at your thoughts. Uh, so with fast fashion, like obviously it's, not helping, you know, lift people out of poverty who are making the clothes. Mm -hmm. But I think there's also this debate of, you know, if you make things, you know, sustainably and ethically, Mm -hmm. it's much less affordable. So Mm -hmm. I'm interested to hear your thoughts on kind of from the purchaser end of fashion, making sure that clothing is still attainable for people who are maybe not as affluent you know buying the clothing yes. and how poverty is you know this relationship with fashion on that end
1: yeah that is a really good point and i i mean i'm just going to be totally honest that for some people it isn't obtainable um mm-hmm. because and we just have to be you know honest about that reality however i challenge um i challenge myself and i challenge others to think about you know price per wear Mm-hmm. it matters. I think fast fashion has given us this, uh, has sold us this lie that you can have, you can have what you want at the, this lower this lower price, but how often are we actually wearing those pieces and, and mm-hmm. utilizing them? Um, I think I always talk about that. I used to talk about that with clients too. Price per wear is really important. Uh, so if we spend uh, you know, $150 on a jacket that you wear multiple times a week, uh, how much is that worth it versus spending fifty dollars on a jacket and it's sitting in your closet because it doesn't fit right or it's not it's not soft enough or you know it makes mm-hmm. you feel uh, stuffy or just hangs there you know we just gotta think in terms of that. I think that there's an illusion that you are actually more you know it's almost can make you feel like you're I, I, I always think about um have you if anybody has watched the true cost
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, there's they talk in there about this illusion that makes you feel like rich when you can actually buy more and and think you can buy this thing for $10 or $20, you know, once a week or whatever. But if you actually sat down and looked, I think at your finances, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you would discover that you're, you're probably wasting a lot of money. Um, instead of having more of an intentional, right. I think intentional is such an important word for us to, to know, like intention and, uh, setting up uh, even a, a budget. Okay, so this is how much I have to spend on clothing, like, which sounds hard, you know, could be hard. But mm-hmm. instead, of, instead, of, instead of spending maybe $20 a week on kind of a throwaway item, if you add that up by the end of the month, you got 80 bucks, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think there is a fact, but I, I do really, for the sustainability aspect, I mean, I love secondhand shopping I think there's plenty to go around if you want those trend pieces, secondhand shopping is a great alternative um, and then save and, and buy those pieces that are more, you know, those core basics. Um, but there is, like I said in the beginning, there is an element of it's not everybody can.
0: Mm-hmm. I, I agree, it's like secondhand is great, whether it's just for, you know, reducing the amount of clothing that's thrown out or, you know, right. for pricing reasons. Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah, like just shopping wisely about, Mm -hmm. you know, what, and, and I wonder too, if like knowing better understanding what looks good on your body type and what makes you feel confident, oh, like what, what, yeah. what your style is, would also kind of limit, like maybe I, I think we all have like way more clothes on our closet than we really need or wear. And it's like, if we're more intentional about knowing, like understanding ourselves and understanding what that we like in
1: clothes, then point. maybe we
0: would, you know, could spend the same money, but purchase less pieces of a higher quality.
1: I think you're absolutely right about that. I think the two things that are really important that women haven't had the freedom or felt like they could discover on their own, because I think we're constantly being dictated what is in style, you know, what is trend, what is Mm -hmm. is the right shapes. And I think the two things, knowing your body shape, like you said, number one, and understanding what works with your body, not against it, the -hmm. shapes that do that. And number two, the discovery process, like you said, of knowing your style, Mm -hmm. knowing, because pretty much what we're talking about here is what styling is or knowing how to dress your body and understanding your style is expressing who you are on the inside, on the outside of you. Mm -hmm. And it should be fun. (laughs) You know, it should be something that we get that brings us joy because it it is an extension of ourselves, but we've been told so much about what you should and look like that mm-hmm. it's hard to, that's, that was probably the hardest part in styling was, was helping draw that out in women.
0: Yeah. I um, bet.
1: You know, cause it, the point was never to make you look like me it, it, or anybody else or any, you know, celebrity that you like it's cause I could put the most beautiful garment that the fit was perfect for them on them. And they would act like it was like, um, they were allergic to it, <laughs> you know, if it wasn't their style. Mm-hmm. If, if it wasn't classic or if it wasn't kind of that more sporty style that maybe they resonated with. And I think those are really important key things. Oh, I like that.
0: Yeah, I, I feel like, you know, I work in fashion and it took me years to figure out like what my style yes, was. And, and then even what clothes do I really need
1: to mm-hmm. serve my
0: lifestyle?
1: Yes, great question to ask. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: it's like because I was, you know, you know, in college and then I was employed at another Um, brand so you know I had to go to work every day and then you know the past number of years I've been self-employed and and worked from home primarily so it's like the the clothes that I needed in order to be comfortable and function for my lifestyle like not only not only did I want clothes that like fit me well and where I liked the look of but like what clothes do I need to to yeah fit with the rest of my life
1: right that is another that's the third totally lifestyle into consideration because that could change right
0: mm-hmm. you I mean it from, did for so many great. people this past year yeah. oh
1: absolutely everybody's like joggers please mm-hmm. you know <laughs> which is great I mean yeah, totally. And different stages in life require different things. If you're mm-hmm. a, a young mom, you may need something different than if you're in the working, like actually out in the working world. Mm-hmm. Like there's just so many different. And then, like you said, there's even that transition from um, student to having your first job. Like there's just all these beautiful transitions that you get to discover who you are and all. And I, I really believe our style can evolve.
0: Mm-hmm. I think those
1: are those core things that you come back to that you know about yourself, but then it, it can change. Um just like people can change. So Mm it's just being in tune with those things and
0: yeah, working from there. Yeah, totally. So, uh, what has been one of the biggest challenges for love so far? And how have you overcome that challenge?
1: Oh boy, which one do I pick? (laughs) Um, I mean, I think with any, uh, startup, I think financial, like, yeah, trying to raise funds and get things going is a challenge. So, that's one thing. But that's mm-hmm. not as exciting. Um, <laughs> I think but I mean, it's realistic. It's real. Yeah. It's real. And yeah. anybody out there who's doing that, I, the struggle is real. I, I feel you. Um, I think the biggest challenge that we've had to date and that we're still trying to work through is, is timelines, uh, making sure mm-hmm. that we're starting development soon enough to get it to the stage of manufacturing and then getting our products in the correct season. <laughs> honestly yeah. that's a huge challenge um I mean really you have to start a piece uh nine to 12 months out mm-hmm. from when you want it at your door and that has been the greatest challenge I think
0: yeah and and I'm sure with so many brands like this past year the there's <laughs> been delays in shipping delays oh, yeah. in, you know manufacturing and shut down or you know like the fabric is unavailable for a few months and yeah yeah Yeah,
1: I think last year we produced three out of seven pieces that we wanted to produce oh wow um so yeah you're right the the shutdowns really affected that um and 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 kind of poked a hole in our confidence of trying to catch up on timelines (laughs) but (laughs) but that's all right um and that's the thing you just got to be fluid right and roll with it and Mm -hmm. figure it out but yeah there are Definitely some real challenges that are out of your control sometimes too.
0: hmm yeah, for sure. Um, so I have one more question, which I ask everyone at the end of the interview, which is Ooh. if you could communicate one value to the world through your clothes, what would it be?
1: Oh, wow. Uh, one value would be, hopefully this doesn't become two values. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. Um, you matter, like your your choices matter, and your choices affect other people. Mm. And so I think, and I hope that comes across in an encouraging way that um, I would like through our brand women to know that their their intention and what they're putting their money towards, their purchasing power matters and it's making an impact.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: in, in changing not only the lives of the women making their clothing, but it, it's so cool to think about the solution to poverty actually helps the next generation stay out of it. Yeah. Because yep. they get an education, they get health care, and they can rise above it.
0: Mm-hmm. So true. And I think, yeah, I'll, I'll, like who doesn't want to feel like they're part of a bigger mission? You know, it's yeah, like something right? bigger themselves. Yeah. It's
1: in us to want that, I think.
0: Yep. Yeah.
1: I agree with that. Totally.
0: <laughs> I love it. Um so this has been so fun and informative to hear more about Lev and your story and the background of how this all came about. Um where can people find more about Lev online?
1: Yes, they can go to our website www.levapparel.com. Um and then we also throw a lot of stuff out there on Instagram which is lev.apparel.
0: Awesome. I will include those in the show notes.
1: Thank you.
0: Yeah. And thanks so much for joining me today. Absolutely.
1: It was a joy, Allison. Thank you.
0: That's it for today. Thanks for listening. I'm Allison Haynes, and I hope you join me again for the next episode of How Fitting.